Hello, I'm Sarah Vine, and this is Sarah Vine's Female Half Hour from Mail Plus. I am joined, as ever, by my wonderful friend Imogen Edwards-Jones. Coming up on today's show, we will be talking about the ghost children left at risk of violence, abuse and murder by COVID lockdowns. Kate Middleton will turn 40 next year, and our resident astrologer Teresa Chung will be here to tell us what the future might hold for the Duchess. And would you hire a nanny just for Christmas? Yes. Is probably the answer. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. <laughs> I, I'm someone who hired a nanny to run. No, I had had nannies obviously because I was working, <laughs> yeah. and I once got my nanny to run the mother's race. I know school. you did, and my daughter <laughs> still remembers it <laughs> as the most shocking moment, shocking parenting fail. She tells me she's ever witnessed, which is quite brilliant, isn't it? Um, but also, she was about 22. Well, and she was like, 23, like a gazelle, and a ho- and she was a hockey player, a professional yes. hockey player. Yeah. And the other mothers at the school were so awful. I just thought one day, oh, sod it. I'm just going to have a laugh. Yes. So I said I had a sore back or something. Yes. And got, got Candice to do it. And she won. Uh, of course she won. Yeah. Of course she won. She was 20 years younger than <laughs> everyone funny. else. <laughs> but you know that all those really sort of ostentatiously sporty mothers who, yes. who, who are always, sort of, you know, always jogging on the spot outside the school gate because yes. they're so fit. They're it, going to go off and then do sort of Dressed in months. athleisure. Oh, God. Anyway, <laughs> it was one in the eye for them. <laughs> Anyway, but Christmas. Um, <clears throat> I really, really, really hate it. Me too. Um, me too. I'm so glad you agree with me on that. Yes. I absolutely loathe it. If honestly, if I didn't have children, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even. I don't know. I just. I would just. I would just go away for two. I mean, I just. I. I go into I, a darkened room. Yes. Do you know the phrase I hate more than anything else is "It's Christmas," Yay! and it's got an exclamation mark yes. at the end of it, which basically means whatever you're allowed to do, anything you want. <laughs> what I really drink hate, Bailey's by <laughs> for breakfast. By, yeah. What I really hate is when people say to me in shops and whatever. You ready for Christmas? Oh, no, no, I'm never ready for Christmas. No, no, I've never had the right presents. <laughs> I walk around sort of with a slack-jawed sort of face, wandering around Selfridges, looking at vacantly at things, going, "Will that do?" And also, everyone spends far too much money on Christmas these days. I mean, in my when I was a young person, it was like you got one present, yeah, and that was jolly nice, and everyone was very happy. But now it's it's sort of insane I know I know I know the only thing I do like about it is you do get to lie on the sofa a lot <laughs> and eat Ferrero Rocher out of your cleavage because that's basically <laughs> what I do <laughs> but I do love this idea of hiring a nanny for Christmas I mean just to do all of the I mean I because my children are older now so mm. are yours but um, do you remember that awful thing where you had 73 Christmas plays to go to and you had to make mm. costumes for all of them yes and then it was always a sort of you know Christmas fate. Yes. Oh God, the school Christmas. No, but the fate. worst bit is the bloody stocking, which the is just a load of crap. Death. Yes. A load of crap in a bag, yeah. and then I'm always too drunk by by oh, Christmas Eve to remember <laughs> to hang it up. Wake up with a panic attack at five o'clock I in the morning, running remember. around. I, I always remember when I because when I was little, we used to go and stay with my granny in Wales for Christmas and I always one Christmas, one Christmas Eve I used to sleep at the room you know those old Victorian houses they mm. had little sort of funny little rooms at the top of the stairs it was a tiny little box room and I remember lying there one Christmas Eve thinking I think I must have been about five thinking oh well Father Christmas is going to come really? soon, oh, and then I heard footsteps at the bottom of the stairs I thought this is it I better did you hold your breath be, I better, yeah I better pretend to be asleep and then um and then up the stairs, the footsteps came. And then there was this great big crash. And then whoever was coming up the stairs <laughs> fell down the stairs, obviously completely pissed, and just went, <laughs> And I thought, ooh. 
Oh, Father oh. Christmas, that's a bit rude, isn't it? <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> the idea of tripping over the stocking and then yeah. face planting on one of your children. Here, have a clementine. <laughs> Christmas is a busy time for working mums, and don't we know it? And some women have found a solution. Get a Christmas nanny. Brilliant, brilliant idea. Time, brilliant. One woman who did just that is Hayley Hannigan, executive IT manager and mother of four. And four. she joins oh. me now. Why have you got four children, Hayley? That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> it is, but it's amazing. And they're all under seven as well. Oh, oh my, my goodness God. me. <laughs> I can't believe you're still alive. You deserve a medal. <laughs> I know, I know, but it's lots of fun. And How old's the youngest? How old's the youngest? He was one last week. <gasps> oh, yes. wow. I can't believe you just hired one nanny. You, yes. might, you might need about ten. One year old. I know, one, I know. And what's the oldest? If I, if I could multiply or clone Amy, <laughs> then I would. So tell me about your nanny. I love this idea. It's just brilliant. It's genius. I mean, I, I was saying to earlier to Imogen that I once got my nanny to run the woman, <coughs> run the mother's race at school for me, which she, of course, won. Mm. I mean, I think these awful things have to be delegated. Definitely. <laughs> um, there are certain tasks as a mum that you just, you, you can't do everything. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, especially when you're working as well, and you just want everything to be perfect. It's, you know, there's so much pressure nowadays for everything to be amazing um and you need an extra pair of hands mm, and yeah. yeah i just think it's just so, so what did amazing. your nanny what did your christmas nanny do yes for you? what did she do did yeah. she decorate the tree oh, i hate everything. decorating the tree so, but my From, tree's not decorated <laughs> still i give her the children's list uh to santa mm, mm. so she sorts the presents for us wraps them she um sources outfits for me for christmas i've got no idea i'm just useless with what would suit me and she's brilliant she's so glamorous so she'll source those for me and she'll make sure like the oven's clean. She booked in the oven cleaning for me the other day and the carpet cleaning. Mm. I didn't even know about it. She was like, oh, the, the carpet cleaner and the oven cleaner are coming uh, today. I was like, oh, brilliant. So what you're so, saying is she's yeah. actually a wife. Yes. She's Pretty your much, wife, yeah. isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. That's what yeah. it is. I mean, just does yeah, all the things. Another, she's another woman. Mm. Which is, is, is what I need around the house, is another woman. Yes, Gosh, yes. with four children, that's a lot of stockings, yes. isn't it? Yeah, and buying the presents is a brilliant idea. I, my, my friend, um, my lovely friend Joanne, mm. actually got my daughter, who is 18, to do all of her Christmas presents. Did she? And my daughter was delighted. Beatrice, she just sat there going, I can't believe it, Joanne's paying me to do shopping. <laughs> Paying her to shop, she was so delighted. How fantastic! <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I think quite fun. Um, and uh, and so, is your Christmas now going to be perfect? I mean, do you have? Does she do all the cooking? Does she do all the ordering of the food? Have you got the right turkey? All of that sort of stuff. Is that all now sorted? She orders all the food, so everything's mm. planned for Christmas and also the platters mm. um, for New Year's Eve. Wow! But we cook it all, so she's never there on the day because she mm. has her own child yeah so um yeah on the day she's not here but she does all the preps beforehand for can us. i can i ask you has she done a sort of meal plan for you because that's the thing i hate more than anything else is walking into the kitchen and everyone's looking at you going what's for lunch i don't know or care <laughs> i really don't <laughs> well she has a bit of a task because half of our family are vegetarian including oh. myself so, um, yeah, she's brilliant with things like that. Like, she'll source something different. So we're not eating the same thing every yes, year. Yes, yes. Um, she's been with us seven years now. So, yeah, and every year she just exceeds expectations and we find ourselves tucking into something uh, Is her different. Is her Christmas totally chaotic? <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, that's the thing. She's, she's so organised. She's got an IV of Baileys and that's it. <laughs> 
and she only had one child sensibly so um yeah yes yeah Not that's cool. amazing there well hats off to you i think it's yes. uh, very impressive it's and a very clever idea very clever so, idea. having an elf isn't it it is basically having an elf yeah that is the christmas yeah. elf yeah, it's a Christmas. I can elf. highly recommend it to anybody. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> well, thank you, Haley, and I hope you have a very lovely and very organised Christmas. <laughs> and you too. Lovely talking to you. Thanks, Haley. Bye. Bye. That was Haley Hannigan, executive IT manager and mother of four, and hirer of Christmas Elf slash nanny. Nanny, brilliant. Excellent. Well, we're hats off to her. You are listening to The Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine, and Imogen Edwards-Jones. You can visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces, and more. And if you want to get in touch, you can tweet us at mailplus at WestminsterWag or Imogen at Imogen EJ. The Commons Education Committee says that as many as 100,000 ghost children are at risk of abuse after failing to return to schools after lockdown. The warning comes as an investigation is launched into the failings that led to the death of six-year-old Arthur Labinio Hughes and as the stepmother of Star Hobson, the 16-month-old killed uh, last September, I think, Mm. is jailed for 25 years. We're joined now by Molly Kingsley, who is the co-founder of Us For Them, a campaign group for children's welfare. Molly, tell us about these ghost children. Yeah, I mean, it's just devastating, isn't it? And I think actually one of the things that's most upsetting about this is we don't actually know much about these ghost children so Mm. as you said I think it's close to 100,000 of them but actually Amanda Spielman has um, you know come out and she said she's actually the chief inspector of of Ofsted and she Mm. said that actually ministers don't have a handle on you know who these children are or where they are. I mean they're not just young children as well because I mean I know that in my son's school my son goes to a sort of state school state school Mm. And quite a lot of his friends, age sixteen, just haven't come back. Really? Mm. Where have they gone? Well, they just—they've just fallen out because they because lockdown just sort of finished it off for them. Wow. And I think. I mean, I think this is. I think you know. They say it takes a village, don't they, to raise a child? Yeah. And mm. and what what we've done since you know on and off, but what we've done since May 2020 is we've taken away that village mm. and. And actually, the ghost children, you know, and it's, I, I know um, Rachel D'Souza, the Children's Commissioner, mm. has, you know, raised concerns, actually, about mm. the use of that terminology. It's, mm. it's, you know, do we call them ghost children? It's because these are, of course, they're real children, mm. real lives. It's mm. just they've, they've fallen off the radar. But, mm. you know, it, it's actually part of a wider problem that the services and, you know, schools are essential services for children, as are nurseries, as are many other types of services and facilities that we took away. Well, this is the thing. I remember during, I can't remember whether it was the second or third lockdown, arguing that schools should be I remember you arguing that, yes, yes, yes. Because because if you, you know, and and like they should be the same as hospitals, you can't, you can't Mm. say that they're they're non-essential at all. And of course, in the case of Arthur, I mean, the the story there is terrible. I mean, his his uncle, I think it was, tried to alert, went round to Arthur's yeah. house and was told that if he didn't leave, he would be prosecuted for breaking lockdown rules. I mm. mean, in both of these cases of these two two little children who died, it's uh, Arthur, who was six, and Star, who I think was 16 months, mm. the relatives all tried to intervene, mm. but were sort of pushed away because lockdown. Mm. Molly, do you, do you think that all the, those signs of abuse would have been spotted had we not been in lockdown for the, with those children? I mean, look, it's, I mean, 
I, I think it's very hard, isn't it, to mm. look in and, and say, in hindsight, it's a wonderful thing. But it, I have to say, reading and you know about those two cases, I had the same impression that one of the real tragedies was that in both cases, there was actually a support network. There had been a support network. In the case of um, Baby Star, it was her grandparents, I mm. think, who had expressed concerns and who saw it coming. And the real tragedy is, is as you said, that network was taken away. Mm. And there is, I think, a, a theme really to uh, many of these cases. And, you know, we know now that there were 220 deaths, I think, of children in mm. the in that first period. And that, that was a significant rise. And I think the child safeguarding um, panel found that child mm. abuse soared by 27%. So, you know, a third during the April to September period of the first lockdown. So, and one of the, one of the consistent themes is that this happens behind closed doors, yeah. so there's a sil- there's a silence to mm. it, so no one can see these children, and they are, you know, the most vulnerable members of society. Yeah, I mean, because if you're if you're you know if you're going to school and you've got bruises or you you mm. know you seem very tired or you're malnourished, you might tell a friend your, as well. Your teachers mm. will notice, mm. you know, or someone will notice and probably do something about mm. it. But if you're, you know, th- th- these kids are completely defenceless when they're just. I mean, it's what's happened also with domestic abuse that those those numbers have gone up as well because if you're trapped in your house with your abuser, which is effectively what happened to these two kids, mm. there's no way out. And and. How, how 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 can we find these children? What what is there a process? What can we do to find the hundred thousand? I mean, I think this, this is a very good question, and I think this is exactly what Amanda Spielman has said. Mm. Um, you know that actually the first thing we need to do is is to identify them, mm. and you know. Get, well, the first thing we need to do is not close schools again. <laughs> Absolutely, completely, hundred mm. percent right. Yeah, let's not school. Let's not do that at all. I mean, they are talking about doing it. Are they? Well, I mean, uh, the education secretary has said he can't guarantee that they won't have to close schools again, and, uh, I, and that just shouldn't even be on the cards, no. as far as I'm concerned. Uh, at what point are we allowed to become furious and say this is not right? <laughs> that you can't close schools. I mean, the schools did keep some. I mean, they did keep. Uh, they did stay open for for quote unquote essential the children of essential workers. Mm. But you know, but none of these children. No, you know exactly. No. They, 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 so yes, absolutely. But also, I, I, think, I mean. I, I think the work from home ethic um, is also quite bad because, you know, you, the social workers can't work from home, can they? They they need to be in no. the field. Also, it's fine working from home if you've got a nice house and a garden mm. and, and you can, you know, separate rooms. But if you're living in one room mm. with the whole family sleeping in the same room, mm. you, it is unbearable to the idea of working from home. Mm. You know, you have to have good Wi-Fi, all mm. that sort of stuff. Mm. It's ridiculous. And I think this idea, I mean, you know, you made the point about the essential workers, but actually what we saw during both, because there's now been, been two rounds of school closures. Mm. And, and by the way, to answer your question, at what point can we be furious? Mm. I think that point was probably <laughs> about nine months ago. Mm. So I think, you know, we, we are livid. And I think the parents within our group are just, it's beyond furious. It's just incredulous because, mm. you know, we know the harms and we know that school closures quite literally kill children and I know that's a really blunt way of putting it and it's mm. uncomfortable to be to having to be say that you know saying that but it is true and mm. we know it this time and mm. and actually the other thing that we know is this idea that you can close schools but somehow keep them open for vulnerable children it just didn't work because in the first lockdown we saw actually that 94 percent of vulnerable children weren't in school mm. and then in the second lockdown that hovered at around 50 percent so mm. 
you know, the, and this goes back, I think, to the issue, doesn't it, about these, these ghost children that actually, once you take away school, they are invisible. Mm. So it's not as simple as well. I mean, the saying, thing is, oh, is the checks come in. exactly, but also the sort of checks on them. I mean, you know, these sorts of children who 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 are you know born into chaotic houses, chaotic mm. families. Mm. They are the ones. Who, I mean, if their parents don't have to get up early in the morning to take them to school, they're not going to do it. No, so they're not going to they're not going to volunteer to take their children to school. The whole point is, if you keep schools open and those kids don't show up, you've got some agency to say mm. where is this child. What is why are they not here? You know, you can find parents and for, for not putting their children in school and all that. Well, there's of some stuff. sort of routine as well. I think yeah. if you're if you live in chaos, that mm. the routine of actually getting into school is really helpful mm. because, as we all know, children really like routine. They you know, well, they claim they don't, but they absolutely. <laughs> 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 but I they do. Yeah. Makes Mine, them feel safe. It does. It does yeah. absolutely. But I mean, often that you know, often this is where they. Uh, you know, they get they get their this where they get their only hot meal of the day. And uh, kind of yeah. just basic stuff, really basic stuff. And I think that you know, it's not only obviously the issue with children disappearing off the register is you know the very sort of apex of the problem. Mm. But I guess there's a whole range of issues. Exactly as you said, it's you know, it's hot meals, it's exercise, it's mm. sport, and and I think particularly actually what we see is you know there's a whole separate um, set of issues for children mm. with special needs, be mm. that disabled children or some children, where again, mm. when you close schools the and, um, you know, close all the support services for these children, the, the impacts are just devastating. And, I mean, in the case of disabled children, I think it's been incredibly difficult on parents of disabled mm. children. I mean, there was, there was a case recently, wasn't there, um, of a little boy with Down syndrome who was killed during lockdown oh, by his father. I, I mean, it's, 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 I mean, it's just, it's just, I think I think the other thing is is that we need to stop thinking of schools as just purely educational tools mm. for getting people through exams, and we need to start rethinking. You know, we really need to sort of reclassify them as proper, as important part of social structures. Do you know what I mean? And that and 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 you know all the sort of work from home, learning from home, is all very well, but 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 for most, for a lot of children, that's not what school is about at all. Mm. It's not about getting getting A levels or GCSEs. It's just about surviving. And I think you're exactly right what you said before, you know, schools, we know schools are essential infrastructure because we've yeah. seen what happens when you take them away and we have to recognise that. And, and, you know, I think many of us are now thinking we have to recognise that legally mm. and, you know, force them to stay open, really. Mm. And, you know, and you're not, I don't think anyone would say they should be open in, you know, you, you can imagine there may be some very extreme circumstances <laughs> where it is right to at least have the conversation. Mm. But I think at this point many of us would say we're not there. Mm. And also the teaching unions seem very keen to close schools, suspiciously oh. so, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? It's, it's turkey voting yeah. for Christmas, and it, yeah. it, I don't understand how anyone with pupils' interests at heart could, could call mm. for school closures at this point. Mm -hmm. Anyway, well, so keep schools open, be angry. Yes, furious. That's the conclusion of <laughs> yeah. this conversation. Furious. furious. Yes. <laughs> and and your us them group is, is, is a campaign is a parents group, is it? It is, yeah. It is. It's a parents group that we set up around the time of the first school closures. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, naively thinking it would be a short campaign and I think we're we're just mm. incredulous mm. at where we've got to and and we wish there wasn't a need for us, but it, it seems we're going to be here for a bit. <laughs> Thank you, Molly. Um, well, we'll watch this space. Thanks very much. That was Molly Kingsley, co-founder of Us For Them.
campaign group for children's welfare. Fascinating. Thanks, Molly. Thank you so much. Kate Middleton. Yes. The Duchess of Cambridge. Cambridge, yes. I always want to say Sussex, but it's not. It's Cambridge. <laughs> I get the Duchesses confused. Cornwall, Sussex, Cambridge. Ugh, so confusing. Anyway, Kate Middleton will be 40 next year. The Duchess of Cambridge will pass the milestone in January, and so our resident astrologer, Teresa Chung, is here to explain what she might have to look forward to. Hi, Teresa. Hi, Sarah. Hello, Imogen. Hi. So her birthday is on January the 9th. Poor love. It's just the worst day to have a birthday. Mm. I mean, everyone's doing dry January and and eating, you know, no carbs. No, I know, Paul. Also, everyone's just exhausted by that. My mother's birthday is the 6th of January. That's and even she, worse. Because oh, and, and, that's the day everyone takes their Christmas decorations yeah, down. Yes, Debbie Downer Day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, rebirth, rebirth. It's, not, it's not easy being a Capricorn, no. is it? It is. It's a, it's a wonderfully rich sign filled with aspirations because, of course, January is the time where we all have mm. great intentions. Um, but it's also a realistic, earthy sign. And mm. talking about Capricorn women, they can sometimes have this fragile appearance, but they're extremely resilient. And mm. we see that in Kate Middleton because um, I like to give um, a title for each day of the year, the birthday. And, and her day is the day of, of Strider or a striver. Mm. And I kind of was, when I was creating that profile, looking at astrology, I was inspired by Lord of the Rings, because mm. I, I love Lord of the Rings, mm. and the character of Aragorn, mm. who is known, one of his names is Strider, for Lord of the Rings fans out there, if there are any, um, and she Me? kind of bodies mm-hmm. Aragorn character in Lord of the Rings, mm. and what she's doing for the royal family, in my humble opinion, because she is kind of perfect mm. for the role awaiting for her, it's almost like she was born for it, and her relationship with uh, Will, of course, his um, understanding and relationship and feelings about women defined by Diana, of course, a cancer in every sense of the word. Mm. And Kate has her moon in cancer. so she, And moon is all about healing. Um, and so she's kind of bringing healing for him with mm. his relationship with women, removing that fear and pain. Um, and I think in a way kind of, removing the fear and the pain from the royal family it's itself. funny it's, it's interesting you say that because i was doing something the other day and i i really feel this about her i think she's she feels to me like the sort of great great healer for the royals i mean, she, I mean the, the, okay she doesn't put a foot long and mm. she looks fantastic and she's always brilliant and turns up and does what she needs to do but she she's the opposite of her of of, of megan sort of megan seems to have Absolutely. made all of harry's psychosis worse mm. and the sort of in a way ramped them up and turned them up to 11 and said you know be angry whereas kate's very sort of calming Calm and and pour it, not so much pouring cold water, but just sort of very calmly working through it all with him. Well, she helping. comes from a very stable family mm. background, doesn't she? So the idea mm. of sort of, you know, a nice Christmas sitting there and yeah. everything is very uh, organised. Mm. And uh, so he's allowed to go off and do what he needs mm. to do. I think she's very stable, I think is what she is, rather yeah. than Megan, who's very unstable. Mm. But I mean, forty is is still a very young age, really, for a woman. Is she going to have another baby? That's what I want to know, <laughs> Teresa. Is she? Well, I think motherhood is her destiny. That's all I can say. She finds great fulfilment in that, um, and you know, um, it could well be on the cards. I would think. You know, mm. um, I think there could well be another another child. Well, she cranks there. them out effortlessly as well. Well, no, she's oh, always she's goes... always very very sick. Oh no, actually. no, now she has this terrible thing, doesn't she? But she seems to do it. She seems to make it look so easy. She, well, she snaps back very easily mm, that's why um, it's like there's a, 
if there was a factory to produce the perfect princess, future queen, mm. she would be the prototype, wouldn't she? But she is the most powerful figure in the royal family astrologically, quietly mm. under the radar, you know, because her Pluto since 2008 has been traveling through through Capricorn and it will continue for a, quite a while. And that's power. Mm. Um, but she's strong. She's earthy. She's grounded mm. and um, but also cool and powerful. Mm. And she's so healing, as you say, for bringing the best out of William. And this long term relationship they had is exactly what he needed. Mm. He needed to trust again. He needed to lose the fear and the pain. Mm. And through her by his, with him, her by his side, they are really going to be an amazing force. Mm. Um, and I really hope that soon we see, you know, when I don't obviously hope for the Queen's demise because we all love the Queen, but I think they are the future. Mm. It's obvious, isn't it, that they yeah. are what we want to see. Absolutely. As the face of the royal family now. No, they're, they're, they, they are they mm. are the sort of safe pair of hands that the royals have needed for a long time. I mean, everything has been so unstable in the royal mm. sort of universe. You know, the death of Prince Philip and all this stuff with Andrew yeah. and Harry leaving. Mm. And it just feels that they're, they are the, the, the rock, the fulcrum that is just solid and, mm. and never sort of wavers. I mean, that's quite yeah, a lot of pressure. She won't, won't ever wear her heart on her sleeve, Kate. No. You won't get that. Any pain or everything will be behind closed doors, in mm. a way, a bit like the Queen herself. Mm. And it, it, it's, it's service above self, which, which will also is, is in, embodies now. Because Kate realised that he is a prince. This is his destiny. And mm. she's not going to try and rewrite that. Mm. But she's going to try and augment it, complement it, and try mm. and reinvent it for modern times. And I do think that the royal family... You know, it's very fortunate mm. to have her there and, and William too. But I think together they're going to be wonderful king and queen. Mm. Absolutely wonderful. Also, she's got great hair. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just had to say The that. only thing is that she does need to relax a bit more, Kate. The only thing I'm looking at, that you know, there's not much fire in her chart. Fun. No. Like she needs to take herself a little bit less seriously, but that's mm. the mark of a Capricorn anyway. Yeah, no, my mother's like that. She's uh, always very serious, my mother, at the end of the day. She's always the person she? making everyone go for a walk after Christmas dinner because uh, it's good for yeah. us. <laughs> uh, Capricorns do that. They, they Aragon. So, yes, exactly. So everyone's had massive Christmas dinner and my mother is putting on her walking shoes and saying, now, come on, everybody, let's go for a lovely walk. Right, meanwhile, we'll I'm go. picking out the Ferrero Rocher from between my boobs. <laughs> There we go. Oh. <laughs> no, they are. They are. My father always says it's very difficult being married to my mother because she is, in fact, perfect. And she is a Capricorn. I mean, she, and, and Kate Middleton is the same. I mean, it must be very difficult yeah. to be married to someone who's so unbelievably perfect. Yeah, yes, your mother is like that, isn't yeah. she? Yes, she ne never overeats, never. No, never. Everything she does drink is too brilliant. much or yes. anything. Yes. She's, she's mm. all Capricorn. Same with Kate. Beauty, yes. Rich's charm. Cool, unflappable, mm. mature. She leads with her head rather than her heart, but mm. in a in a kind of sensitive, caring way. Mm. Goodness, Chelsea. <laughs> I should just I should just say that Chelsea, our producer, is also a Capricorn. She's sitting in her little box, laughing and smiling in a kind of very <laughs> superior sort of way, aren't you, Chelsea? We bring you well, in now, Chelsea, please. Capricorns, they end and begin the year, so they encompass <laughs> the, the wisdom of endings and the knowledge that you've got to let go of the past, but they also encompass the the joy and the excitement and expectation of new mm. beginnings. 
Mm. Um, Chelsea's not going to say anything because she's a Capricorn and she kn- and she's not supposed to, so she won't break a rule. Yes, she's just really, I'm quite, quite, really quite, hard. Quietly brilliant. <laughs> just quietly brilliant. Quietly brilliant quietly and perfect brilliant. Yeah, in the corner. The humble yeah. is not yeah. a word we hear much these yeah. days, but humbly brilliant, and that's what you want to be. You don't want people like shouting out, "I'm the mm. best," "I'm the best." You mm. want they are show people who show you, don't tell you who they yes. are. Yes, actually, come to think of it, my mother also has great hair, so maybe it's just a Capricorn trait. <laughs> Chelsea's hair is nice too. Yes. <laughs> We've got Mary's the Libra here having Capricorn envy. It's funny. I know. I've got terrible Capricorn envy. I just wish I could be as organised as Capricorns. I just can't do it. It's just, I am. Oh, just but Cap- Capricorns need Aries and Libras to sort them out. I mean, where would Capricorns be if they didn't have people to sort out and to? <laughs> well, or to lead them astray. Yeah, sort of rock the boat. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, well, that's fascinating. I, 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 you know, I think it's her. When is her birthday? It's the eighth again, isn't it? Nine. The ninth. January. Ninth. Yeah. Well, nine yeah. is a humanitarian number as well. Mm. Tradition, service. Um, so, you know, mm. that, that, that's the, how she sees the bigger picture, mm, mm, mm. you know, and there's no tension in the numerology of her chart. If you no. look at it from the numerology, you know, oh my it, God, there's even no her chart is perfect. <laughs> it kind of is. Yes, I know. I bet she irons her pants as well. She probably does. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now we're getting bitchy. That's not nice. <laughs> On this podcast, no. <laughs> Never. Uh, Teresa, okay, so uh, so also I just want to congratulate you once again for predicting the Omnicron Omnishambles, which you did. I knew it. I knew it. I said 21st of November, mm. and shift, yeah. and, 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 um, and, you know, we're going to get a new variant, and we're not over with it. And I So given that you got that right, can you just tell us when it's going to stop, please? Because I quite like it to stop. is going to ease, but it's going to take time. You know, as I said, five years six years since beginning we are going to have to learn to live with it which i think everybody is understanding now that we're going to have to find a way to manage with manage it get on with it and live with it it's becoming a part of our lives yes. now so so we can't keep doing lockdowns i mean no. that's not no. gonna work we i don't just, think we, we will we either. just no i think we've just got to accept that it's a bit of a bit of a pain and there we are all right Teresa. well thank you very much okay such a love bye, bye. That was Teresa Chung, spiritualist and author of the Encyclopedia of Both Birthdays. I think that could be quite a good Christmas present, actually, Encyclopedia of Birthdays. Yeah, I've got it. It is really good, yes. Okay, I might buy yeah, that. Yeah. If you enjoy listening to The Half Hour, why not visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. If you want to get in touch, tweet us at mailplus, me at Westminster Wag or Imogen at Imogen EJ. You've been listening to The Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine. Thanks for listening. Listener.